This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of Press One for Nick. Your host, Nick Limsdahl, is the Director of Contact Center Solutions at VDS. Through conversations with customer service and customer experience leaders, Nick and his guests exchange insightful stories, best practices, and invaluable lessons they have learned along the way. Welcome to the Press One for Nick podcast. My name is Nick Limsdahl. My guest this week is Jim Donald. He is the co-chairman of the board of directors and former president and CEO of the Albertson Company, a leading North America retail food, health, and wellness company with over 2,200 supermarkets across 34 states. With a career spanning 48 years in the retail industry, Jim has a proven track record of cultivating employee engagement and improving the performance of both public and private corporations. He began his retail journey as a trainee with public supermarkets and since has been recognized as the top 25 CEO in the world by the Best Practice Institute and one of the business and travel news 25 most influential business travel executives for his leadership at the extended stay. Get ready for a fascinating conversation with the industry veteran, Jim. Welcome to the Press One for Nick podcast. Thanks, Nick. Great to see you. You look great as usual. <laughs> so one question I ask every single guest at the very beginning is, what's one thing people might not know about you? That's, that's a hard question to answer. I mean, it's um, I find that leadership is best done in quiet corners of organizations or stores or, or warehouses. And, and that when you, when you're leading a group of people, it starts with just one and that word spreads. And before you know it, you've got a whole team of people uh, doing things that uh, they never thought they could do before, which is what leadership's all about. So maybe that's what they don't know is just, 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 just how, how, how one person leads. So I appreciate that. One other thing that I think, people might not know about you who don't know who you are is that you ask really good questions and that you are a really good listener. And then you take all of that information and bring it back into future conversations. And that is a talent that few people have. And I appreciate that as just getting to know you here recently. Well, to that point, and that goes back to what I said, that I subscribe to leadership is basically one-on-one. You don't, you don't lead large groups of people. You lead one at a time. And before you know it, you have a larger group of people, uh, again, doing things they never thought they could do. Well said. So one thing that I want to start off, and I'm going to do this a little bit different than I've done things in the past, but what you do is something called JD Live. Before I break that down, I want, I want you to talk maybe a little bit about what you do at JD Live, what that consists of, and why that's important to you. Well, JD Live is just a moniker, if you will, of how I led the companies that I had the uh, fortunate opportunity to, to, to be in charge of. And it started uh, way back in the 90s where I would put on a voicemail. I know that's old school, but a voicemail blast, 45 seconds, Monday through Friday, JD coming to you live. It had to be 45 seconds, Nick, because people don't retain things if it goes on and on and on. So this whole voicemail to every employee in the company was at Pathmark Supermarkets. Uh, There's only one store now, but we we were a $5 billion company. It would be like, hey, JD, come to you live Monday morning. My message today is boom. Now, I only had like 35 seconds to give that. Well, that morphed into when I went back to Albertsons. 
and I had 300,000, 275,000 employees. And so in order for me to reach out after I hit the road, I started doing videos that went on the company portal about three a week. And it was JD coming to you live from maybe driving a truck across West Texas or JD live coming to you from the deli frying chicken in Bakersfield, California, or JD coming to you live from Connecticut, where we had five meat uh, cutters surrounding me and were sharpening knives, getting ready to cut meat. But what that did was these 45 second blasts gave people an idea they could see, hear my voice on voicemail. They could see me on video that here's the boss doing the things that he's asking us to do. It has to be okay. But the JD Live became important because they knew they could catch it on a break, on a 15-minute break. They could turn the portal on and there it is, 45 seconds and it's gone. And that's kind of, it kind of stays with them when you, when you do these things. But every one of these messages, Nick, was a story. And people don't retain numbers. They don't retain facts. They retain stories. It's just how the brain is developed. And so these little stories that I would send out many times a week started to resonate and people started to listen to them. When I retired from the CEO role at Albertsons, I went back into a store two years later and I said to the store manager, hey, how you doing? He goes, Jim, he says, where the heck are the videos? We miss them. I said, dude, I've been gone for two years now. I'm on the board. I'm not the CEO anymore. But he remembered them and he remembered what they were all about. I think it's so important too, because you're at the front line. You're not the CEO at the very top, kind of making those high-level decisions. And they, the people on the front line are not feeling heard or valued. And so taking those 45-second chunks, and if it's showing that you're with the people that are about to cut meat, or if it's in a, in a big truck down the middle of the interstate, it's you speaking from your heart. And you're telling the people on the front line that I'm going to do everything that I can do at the front line to impact the bottom line. Look, you just said something, you just said a mouthful, Nick. And, and, and one of your former guests, Howard Beer, taught me to flip the organizational structure, the pyramid where the CEO's at the top and the, and the bottom is the front line. He taught me how to flip it so the front line's closest. But what you just said is speaking to the heart. I say that to, to, to college students, I say to people that, that I have the opportunity to work with, in order to be successful in life, you have to be bilingual. And I don't mean speak Spanish plus English or French plus English. What I mean is you got to speak two languages. One goes to the head. And that's usually a missive that, that's sent down, top down. You know, you got to do this, you got to do that. It goes to the head. The second language is speaking to the heart. Because once you speak to the heart of anybody, they become engaged. And an engaged associate, an engaged friend, an engaged significant other, it's a completely different story. When somebody comes engaged, they're emotionally attached to what it is that you're trying to do, what you're trying to say. And they remember it. And so when you speak to the heart of anybody, when you speak to the heart of your pet dog, it, it just it changes how they, they, they work. It changes how they treat people. It tra- changes how they, they treat customers. Powerful. So what I want to do and how I'm going to flip the script a little bit today is I'm going to drill you with a bunch of questions. And I want you to take those 45 second snips and I maybe dig deeper in a few of them. But uh, I'm going to I'm going to have the JD live show here on the Press One for Nick podcast over the next 25, 30 minutes. Uh, what so, it's all about, 45 seconds. JD coming to you live from Here podcast. it comes, <laughs> exactly. So the first one, that started at the very beginning, right, is you started as a trainee with Florida uh, in the public supermarkets. How did you get that job? First of all, my mom was a cashier at Publix. She said, you got to go to work, Jimmy. We need your help. So the store manager came over and recruited me off of the basketball court. But 
It wasn't as a trainee. It was at a cleaner of the bathrooms and as what we called a bag boy. 45 seconds, that's over. <laughs> and what did you learn as a trainee? I learned as a bag boy, not a trainee again, that one-on-one interaction with customers is key. I remember to this day, my special customers back when I was 15 or 16 years old, and I still today, remember what I said earlier, it's all about starting one at a time. And that's where I learned that from leading people. It's not leading a larger group. It's leading one at a time. So there's a lot from taking it as a trainee all the way to having this guy named Sam Walton for nobody who may or may not know who this guy is, but hired you to lead the development of the grocery business and superstore development at Walmart. What did he see in you that made you want or made him hire you? Sam Walton was the founder of Walmart, by the way. And so Sam found out about me through an action that I had taken back when I was running the division for Albertsons. And it was all about character. It was all about integrity. And we had just reversed the dismissal of a vendor and I put them back in. Well, this vendor tells Sam and Sam says, well, that guy's got character. And by the way, within my 45 seconds, the definition of character is what you do when no one's looking. And so Sam said, I got to meet this guy. And so we met and the rest is history. So what advice did he, did you glean from him in the time that you had with Sam? On a gurney in his office, we did not know this. He had 12 hours to live. He had a form of cancer. He was really chewing me out about a small bag expense. We just surpassed Sears at $40 billion a couple of weeks earlier. And he said, Jim, he said, you got to take care of this. When we get to be 500 billion, they do 750 billion today. Uh, that little tiny expense that you're saying is important gets important. I said, yes, sir, Mr. Sam, I got it. And I was walking out the door. He said, don't forget, the most important thing I taught you, I said, I got it, I got it. Mr. Sam repeated it. It's the last thing he told me. He said, Jim, if you're ever bigger than the front line, you will fail and your business will fail. It's how we're built, Jim. Those were his last words. It's amazing. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, so you've taken that and now are with those 45-second groups and continue to, to bring on the front line. You know, one, one thing that people always have called you here recently in, in a magazine, I believe, or maybe it was a, a city article, was the suitcase CEO or the fixer. And uh, I think for, from my perspective, I think the change agent is a better way that people explain it. But why did, why did people hire you to be the fixer? I guess it starts with just reputation. I always say when I talk to universities around the country, take the job nobody wants, take the job that's, that's broken, take the job that, that you can fix and, and really make something of it. But Nick, you cannot take a company and turn it around without a team of people beside you. But more importantly, when I flip that triangle, you have 98% of any brick and mortars employee population is on the front line. And so remember what Sam said, don't ever be bigger than the front line. Once they know that you're there with them, Jim, come to you live from frying chicken. Uh, they'll do, and you talk to their heart, they turn it around. They're the closest to the customer. There's an old saying about disrupting companies. It's better to disrupt companies through the people on the front line than as a CEO. At Albertsons, there was 200, 265,000 people on the front line. There's only one CEO. You think I did it? No, I didn't do it. They did it. And so that's how during times of, of, of companies that are underperforming, we were able to turn that around. It's not rocket science. It's not rocket science at all. It's social science, the art of, of working with people. So you've taken that, the Sam, Sam advice, the last 12 hours to live to heart. And that is what you did the very time, every single time that you became the CEO of an organization is you went to that front line. 
Uh, what was the message to that front line every single time? I'm here for you. It's, you know, the, the front line is the most important component of any organization. Okay. You create this culture of caring. And when people know you care about them and you care for them, they're going to become engaged and they'll do things that you don't want to do. And then you show them that they can do things that they never thought they could do before. And, and it's game over. But listen, one of the things that I, I, I just did a talk called my top 10 leadership lessons ever, it's letting people know, which what 45 Live was, how important their jobs are. I don't care what they're doing. If it's the, if it's the fella cleaning the restrooms, then it's all about, God, these are the cleanest restrooms I've, I've ever seen in my life. And Nick, while I got you, it's also about it's one of the top 10 things is celebrating successes, no matter, no matter how big or how small. Little successes are bigger because little successes are more in number. And before you know it, you might have a million small people celebrating the successes that they're doing. In a competitive market, does your customer service stand out from the crowd? One way to offer a better experience is by moving your contact center to the cloud. But with so many options to choose from, how do you know which solution is the best for both your business and your customers? That's where VDS comes in and guides you to the best solution. They understand your clients' pain points, business outcomes, and goals. Then VDS designs, implements, supports, and provides 24-7 managed services. From start to finish, VDS is committed to finding the best solutions for your clients' needs. To learn more, go to www.govds.com or find a link in the show notes. I love that. I love the small successes in because it's it's all compounding interest back to the ultimate goal. You know, one question that I have for you that I just thought of is what question do you ask or have you asked in the interview process to make sure that they are the right culture fit? I basically I, I don't ask the question when they when I'm presented with their CV, I look at all the things that they've done. I could care less about their business accomplishments. I look what they did their summer in high school. Uh, what was it that, that they kept busy? I look for stories, stories that they, that helped shape or 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 um, got them involved in the turnaround situation or whatever I'm trying to hire. I'll never forget this one person. He was president of his fraternity. He was a honors student, and he sent me this 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 application. He was looking for a marketing role. And I called him on. I said, dude, I said, did, did you ever work in high school or did you ever have anything on the summer or do you have any stress? I'm not going to put that in there, Jim. My professor said, keep it within one page. I said, fine, I'm not hiring it. I don't know what you've done. I don't know what your character is. Show me something. So I don't ask the question so much, but I search for something that they've done that's extraordinary and that is in the art of storytelling. Don't forget. People retain stories. I still to this day can remember stories that people tell me on their CVs or their resumes about what they've done. I, I taught a, 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 a kid's camp. I taught horseback riding. Boy, I was a lifeguard. That to me is what I look for in, in hiring people, even executives. So in the previous question, you talked about the small things and some of the small things end up being some of the bigger things. And one of the things that I, we, conversations that I've, we've had here recently is that you've taken the time to write notes and letters to, to people throughout your career uh, and or flowers for that matter. Talk about uh, what you've done and, and why that's important. Well, first of all, writing notes is the future of communication. It's not this, it's not emoji. It's not a text. It's not TikTok. 
handwritten notes are the future of communication. This might take a little more than 45 seconds because a handwritten note shows the receiver, number one, you took the time to send them a message. I did about 30,000 handwritten notes a year at Starbucks, at Albertsons. I probably did around about the same today. To this day, I'm not running a company, but I do two handwritten notes to anybody I might see, even if I don't know them. But think about this, a handwritten note, it stops time. It stops people in their tracks. They have to unwrap the envelope. Anticipation's building. They see what you say. And the best news is they can't delete a handwritten note. What do they do with it? They don't throw it away. They put it on their computer. They put it on their bathroom wall or whatever. And they always remember that. But they also know that you actually took the time to do this. It is the most powerful form of communication that I know of to this day and always has been. And you know, it's all about the story that's in that handwritten note. And storytelling predates writing. People were telling stories a long time ago. But the story might be, Sally, how's your cat? Jim, Sally says, whoa, I can't believe you remember the conversation. I said, I'd take my cat to the vet. I urge everybody to try it. Get, get cheap stationery, just like a, an, an index card, if you will, and write a note to somebody and watch the difference. I love that. Uh, somebody else on, that was a guest on, on the podcast uh, talked about what is your Ford? And it's memorizing and understanding what people's Ford is. What's their family, their occupation, their recreation, and their dreams. Know it, understand why it's important to them and then communicate it back to them at the right time. And I think that's exactly what you're doing with those uh, letters uh, twice twice a week. But Nick, but so in these top 10 things that mm-hmm. 500,000 employees have taught me what you just said, you just hit the number one learning for me. And that Ford example shows you care. And if I had to put it in Jim speak on my top 10 list, it's care more and others think possible, necessary, or expected. And in a business context, care more than your competition does for your employees and your customers. You'll never have a problem with sales if you do that. Getting people to do that, though, starts with the individual who's leading that group or that company. Yeah. How many total letters do you think you've written in your lifetime? I don't know. Look, I mean, it could be sign a birthday card, but that's a hand, that's a handwritten note with the, just your signature on it. So I, I, I wouldn't even begin to to, to figure that out. I got no idea. More than 10. So what you, you've, you've done, you've moved 13 times in 20 years. You've uh, been with a bunch of corporations because you're the suitcase CEO of what people call you. What are they the, actually call me the vagabond boss. So. <laughs> so what would you go, if you can go back uh, to one of those and change what you've done, what would you do, do different? I wouldn't do a thing. I wouldn't do a thing differently because embedded in what you just said, see if I can do this in 45 seconds, is the fact that every time you go into a new company or to a, to, to a new organization, you're a freshman again in that company. I had a store manager for Northam write me a note. She said, JD, I'm going to a store all the way from Connecticut to Portland. What, what single bit of advice can you give me? I said, be a freshman again, because all of you recall your freshman days of anything. You're nervous, you're scared, you respected people, you listened more than you spoke, you asked a lot of questions. If leaders just did that and surrounded themselves with people smarter than them, they would show everyone how much they care for them. But I wouldn't do a thing different because every time I'd go into a new organization, forget about it. They didn't care what I knew. They wanted to know how much I cared. I'll never forget this story. We opened up a super center, my first super center as a team in Paducah, Kentucky. I walk into the store the day before it opened. A cashier comes up to me. Her name was June. I have big Jim on here. 
big letters because I couldn't see that well. So I want to make sure I change everybody's to big font so I could read their names. She goes, so you're Jim Donald. And I said, yeah. She goes, we read about you. You're putting us in the food business. And I kept trying to explain to her, but she kept cutting me off. She goes, Jim, you want to meet my cashiers? I got 50 of them in training. Sure. And she, as we walked over, she says, Jim, let me tell you something. Our cashiers, me, we don't really care how much you know, but what we want to know is how much you care. And she said the same thing that Sam told me before he passed. He said, it's how we're built, Jim. Never forget that. That was in 1992. And that began my whole uh, jotting down of what people taught me. So you didn't do that prior? I didn't know about it. I, mean, I tried I, intuitively. I probably did. But when, when she calls you out, it's, uh, it's pretty humbling. Yeah, it's powerful. So you've been, been working for 40, 50 plus years, had what, 500,000 employees plus or minus. If you can go back and talk to the, the 25-year-old Jim, what advice would you say? Keep trying to make the, keep trying, because I was doing that, to make the individuals around you better. Make sure you give them the opportunity and make sure you listen to what they have to say. From your perspective, What's the difference between grit and resilience? I don't think that there is. You can also throw what's the difference between grit, resilience, and being a grinder. I think it's all the same, and I'm a grinder. And so, again, it's the small things that you celebrate. They grow to be big things. It's taking one day at a time. It's not trying to boil the ocean, as somebody once told me just the other day. It's, it's about the little tiny pots of water that are, that are boiling up and, and do what you want to do. But grit is just the same as, as, as resilient or being a grinder. It's just never given up. So you talked about the importance of storytelling, and uh, I couldn't agree more. And one of, the, one of the conversations we had is about telling good stories or good fish stories. So what's, what's the best fish story you got? Well, first of all, if you recall, when I first met you, you, uh, you told me about your steeplechase adventures. And as you know, Early this morning, I told you I went on a steeplechase run. Why? Because I recalled all that. But a fish story is just a story. It's like it's like the old fisherman that holds up a fish. I caught a fish this big. Well, maybe it was that big. It's kind of a fictitious fish story. But I took off on that. And in my early days at Walmart, when I was trying to get Walmart interested in food and getting all these general merchandise people, I actually took a fish. And I took this fish and I held it up. And from that came the fish story. And so to this day, when I speak live, and even when I don't speak live, I still hold fish up and uh, I tell the story and, and it's a true story. I won't go into it, but, but people retain the stories. And it was like, when I use this fish story about the turnaround of Pathmark in 1997 of spring, it was just two years ago, which would have been 22, uh, 20, 23 years later, a guy called me to do his keynote. And I said, what do you want me to talk about, Bill? He was a CEO. He said, I don't care what you talk about, but whatever you do, bring the fish. And so he was there on the original fish story and it just remember it. So it's, it's the art of leadership because one of the things too, in my top 10 is that people want to understand what you're trying to do. If you're asking 275,000 employees to all move in the same direction, you just can't tell them to move in the same direction. You got to apply a story to that. So they, they get it. And people, 99.9% of people want to understand what they're trying to do and they want to do well. So what else is in your top 10 that we haven't covered today? Well, you got street cred. I mean, everybody has to look at themselves in the mirror and say, hey, 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 hey Nick, how's your street cred? And that came from a, a talk I gave in a prison 
where I went around and met all the inmates that I was talking to. And one inmate said in the back goes, Hey, JD, where did you get your street cred? We've never had anybody come in and want to know what the hell our names were. And if you look up street cred, it's like having knowledge or expertise in one certain field, whatever that field is. If you don't have street cred, you, you just won't be a leader. The next one is for all of your associates that you're working with, are they head count or do their heads count? People want to be able to make decisions on the fly. Let's see what else. So I said, I told you about celebrating the small things. Uh, there's so many of them. A curiosity, go, go where you've never been before. You'll find things that you, you, you never even imagined you would do. When I took a company over, the first thing I did in the first six months was hit the road unannounced to go into back rooms, warehouses, and just see what's out there and, and what people are saying. And so it's all good stuff. Some of the other things are, I, I talked about, they acknowledge, uh, they appreciate associates all over the world, appreciate follows and remember them. That's the um, handwritten letter, the, the feature of communication. Yeah, I mean, that's the, I, I probably hit all 10 of them. Acknowledge the fact that your associates are indeed your teachers. I got a challenge for everybody that listens to this. Ask people you work with what they taught you, and you'll be surprised what they tell you. But if we acknowledge the fact that our associates, no matter what level, are indeed the teachers, get inside their shoes, walk a mile with them and see what they're doing. Maybe you can help them. But more importantly, I guarantee you they'll be able to help you become a better leader. I love that. And it's and it's being that constant, a constant learner and the constant listener so that you can learn. Yep. Uh, there's there's a lot to that. What legacy do you want to leave? Look, I I'd like to live leave a legacy that you can't be successful unless you take your family with you wherever you go. I don't mean moving them, but I mean making making sure that you you spend time time with those you surround yourself with. And at the end of the day, the business should be the second priority because you can't spend time in the business if you don't spend time with, with those you surround yourself with. Uh, the last question I have before my, my final two is <laughs> you, you had the opportunity. So you have a total of three questions. I, I tricked you. So the, the, you were the president and CEO uh, at Starbucks where you led the company through record <coughs> growth through five straight years of what, 20% growth. What was the success of, of those five years and that you would provide to other people? Well, I mean, if you're saying what were the leadership traits that I left them with, it's no different. I mean, I, I, I started at Starbucks in October 2002, and I gave my first keynote at a, at a, at a, at a, at a store manager's meeting in front of probably at the time 4,000 people. And I just gotten off the road. Okay. I'd just gotten off the road. I'll never forget this. We had all, all countries in there. There's probably 15 countries, you know, and what I opened up with was with the, the Billy and the Sally story and Billy's holding the starfish up and he's showing it to Sally. But the story is that there was 10,000 more starfish washed up on the, on, on the beach at low tide and Billy's throwing them in the water. And Sally said, cause she's older. Sally's 13, Billy's 10. Billy, what are you doing? And I'm talking to, to 4,000 people. He said, I'm throwing these starfish back into the water. So I said, Billy, there's 10,000 starfish out here. You can't make a difference. And he holds that starfish up to Sally and says, to this one I can, and throws it back. So again, we led with this. Leadership is one at a time. And so don't think you have to move masses. You only have to move one at a time. That's great advice. So the last two questions I have for you is, 
What book or person has influenced you the most in the last year? I will tell you that my favorite personal business book is from a professor at Wharton by the name of Adam Grant. The book is give and take. Adam's written five books now. They're all New York Times bestsellers. This book, though, tells you, tells stories about those that are successful in life are the givers of the world, not the takers. And the stories just go on and on and on. And I think I've probably purchased over a thousand to give, give away to some businesses or associates or, or things like this. It's, it's, it's had a big impact on my life. I will definitely check it out. The last question I have here for you, if you could leave a note for uh, anybody in customer service and customer experience, it's going to hit everybody's desk Monday at 8 a.m. What would it say? Care more than others think possible, necessary, or expected. And please care more than your competition does. That's great advice, Jim. Thanks so much for your time. I appreciate all the stories and and uh, all the knowledge that you're providing and looking forward to the to my listener to share. Uh, feel free to connect with Jim on, online and uh, follow his journey. Jim, thanks so much. Take care. Hey, listeners, can you think of one person who would benefit from the information you learned today? If so, please consider sharing this episode with them. And last, if you would like to receive all the quotes and book recommendations from all my guests, you can go to press1fornick.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of Press One for Nick. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and share. Until next time, focus on your customers. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.